0: Welcome to day 22 of The Story That Changes Everything. Today's readings are Exodus chapters 12 through 14. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. These are some of the most imaginatively formative chapters in the Bible. As you read them, pay attention to the way they ingeniously combine telling the story while also forming worship practices to help us live out the story at the same time. These texts combine the story with liturgy, so that God's people don't just remember the salvation of God, but they re-embody and relive the story from generation to generation. These chapters are not just the Passover and Red Sea narratives. They are worship liturgies for people to follow and see their lives through. I find it fascinating that in verse 13 of chapter 12, when the people are told to mark the doorposts of their homes with the blood of the Lamb, they are told that the sign is not for God, but for you, It appears that God does not need the sign to know whom to save or rescue, but we need the sign to decide who we are going to trust or what power will mark our lives and our hopes. Will we mark our lives with Pharaoh and the empire or with Yahweh and the vulnerability of the Lamb? The Passover meal not only shapes the people's identity as God's people, but also their posture. The people eat quickly, and they're dressed, ready for the newness that God is bringing right now. The final plague is tragic and hard in many ways to read and imagine. At the center of it is the question of who has control over all the firstborns, and thus over life itself. Pharaoh has claimed that control and now will in horrific ways be reminded that these claims to power are a myth at best. In the great reversal that all the plagues bring, Pharaoh, the destroyer of life, will have his very own life destroyed. Those who created the tears of the Israelites will now cry their own tears because of their suffering and their loss. In this chapter, the Egyptians don't just permit the Israelites to leave, they beg them to get out. Just as God promised, the people left slavery, not empty-handed, but also blessed by reparations from the Egyptians. That will now make their future life and freedom possible. Notice the hints in this text that this group of people who are leaving Israel are not only very intergenerational, but a bit diverse and inclusive as well. The text provides instructions for those who are not Israelites by birth on how they might join and participate in this redemption as well. Chapter 13 lays out not just the first liturgy of Passover, but the way that we, ongoing from generation to generation, should observe this same meal, twice the text makes mention of the formation of our children. Some day, as we're eating this meal together, our children will ask, "Why do we do this?" And this meal will remind them of the kind of people that God is forming us to become. We've not arrived at the Shema text yet, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, but in verse nine of chapter thirteen it's already implied that this liturgical formation will mark our heads, that place where other people can see how we've been shaped and formed, and will also mark our hand, that place where we see and are constantly reminded that we belong to the Lord. God is rescuing them from a superpower, but there are still threats in their path, so God leads them in ways that will limit their vulnerability. And notice the people grab Joseph's bones. This is the day that will officially begin to close the chapter on God's people's sojourn in Egypt. As Exodus chapter 14 opens, Pharaoh and the people decide they simply can't let the Israelites go. I think we're supposed to read this and understand it economically. Despite all the death they have experienced, the impact on their economic lives of letting their cheap labor go is more than they can imagine moving forward. To borrow a famous quote from a recent political figure, Pharaoh is convinced that the Egyptian lifestyle is just not up for debate. When the Israelites see the Egyptians gaining on them, they start what will become a familiar pattern in the story. They grumble. Get comfortable with this attitude because the people will quickly forget God's acts of faithfulness in the past and be shaped by the problems in front of them and, like us, be more shaped by their fears than by their faith. Verses 13 and 14 form a familiar set of commands from God to the people. Don't be afraid. Stand, watch, and keep still. The separating of the waters at the Red Sea is full of imagery taken from the hymn of creation in Genesis chapter 1. A wind blows across the face of the waters, and as it was on day 3 in the creation narrative, the seas are separated from the dry ground. The God who created this way the first time is recreating in very similar ways now. Notice as you read the story how much this narrative informs our imagination of Christian salvation. Like the Israelites, we cry out to God, and God delivers us from the sin and brokenness that binds us. We, too, pass through the waters, ours of baptism, where everything is transformed. The old life is put to death, and we come out of the waters ready for a new creation. But this time through the text, I couldn't help but think that this story is not just a paradigm for salvation, justification, and sanctification in our lives, but it's also a kind of paradigm for the return of Christ and the renewal of all things. When the final new creation comes, like Pharaoh and his armies, all that is not God-honoring will be swept away. However, all that is God-honoring and consistent with the good creation of God All of that, like the Israelites and their possessions and their herds and their children, somehow all of that makes its way into God's new beginning. There's frankly too much to celebrate and explore in these texts today. That's why they aren't just stories we tell, but liturgies we live. Read these stories carefully and worship your way through them, looking for things you've never seen before. Listen to what the Spirit might say to you through the scripture today. Journal some of your reflections, questions, and prayers. And be thankful for the God who always makes a way even where there seems to be no way. Our readings for tomorrow are Exodus chapters 15 through 17 and also Psalm 10. I'll talk to you tomorrow.